0: Hello and welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. My guest today is Cameron Romerill, the founder and CEO of Soda Press Company, who create organic soda, cocktail and mixer syrups. Cameron left his successful career in advertising and set up the business after realising his passion for the ethics and origin of food. He saw a gap in the market for a healthier version of soda machine syrup that wasn't made with artificial ingredients and that was full of sugar. So with his background in marketing and product development, Cameron started experimenting and making fruit syrups from his kitchen, using natural, non-processed local fruit to create soda syrups. Cam started looking into the market opportunity, talking to industry experts, SodaStream users and retailers, and in 2013, he made the leap to start the business. Soda Press Company has now spread beyond Australia to 19 countries and all their products are end-to-end plastic-free, organic and manufactured right here in Australia. They're also big on sustainability with just one bottle of Soda Press making up to 16 drinks, helping to reduce the number of single-use plastics. I love that one. I want to ask Cameron about where do you get his passion to drive him to make this business decision? Where did the passion come from? Whereabouts from his family? What about his growing up in New Zealand? Where did this passion for provenance, cleanliness, health-based products, sustainable products, where did all that stuff come from and how did he use that passion to drive into this business? And how did he deal with things like COVID? What What effect did COVID have once he'd already set up this business? And how important is taste and how does he maintain that taste as a sustainable, consistent position in the marketplace? So let's get into it. Cameron Romerill, welcome to The Mentor, mate. Thank you very much. Good, good to be here. right oh, So, uh, I detect a New Zealand accent. A little bit. yeah. After 12 years, I can't quite shake it off. No? <laughs> and in whereabouts in New Zealand are from?
1: Uh, I grew up in Christchurch, but I've, um, like most New Zealanders, lived all over the place, been a small
0: island. Yeah, yeah. I actually like Christchurch. Unfortunately, I had the drama there, but yeah. like, it is a cool place. Um, we had, a, When I owned the wizard business, we had, a, uh, we had an office in Christchurch. We had one in Dunedin. We had a couple in Auckland. We had like uh, I think twenty a couple. Well, we had twenty four across uh, New Zealand. I used to go there quite a bit. Um, I quite I quite liked it. Um, it's a nice gateway to um,
1: the ski fields. You can go north and south. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's, it's and I guess it's a good place to grow up. It is actually because you get the you get a bit of a city feel, but you've also got you know the countryside, the stone's throw away, right, and the mountains and the sea. So you get to, you get a lot of. the...
0: The good stuff. One of the senses I get from New Zealand is um, uh, I don't want to. It sounds a bit weird, but like uh, purity, like a cleanliness. Like it, I mean, you know, you guys have dealt with uh, well New Zealand. You're Australian now, but New Zealand's dealt with the um, coronavirus probably better than anyone in the world. They're probably the gold standard in some respects. Australia's not far off, but but New Zealand, being a small island, uh, remote to everywhere else in the world, we think Australia's on the only way. and New Zealand's even further. And as a result of it, there's certain things that come out of New Zealand. Well, there's certain things that New Zealand can export, which all of a sudden become important cleanliness, provenance, you know, maybe organics isn't, you know, it's a broad word, but organics, et cetera. So growing up in New Zealand, were you aware of that? I was probably more
1: aware when I actually started to travel, and I've done, luckily, fortuitously, um, uh, quite expensively. And I think when you travel, you start to see hey, things are compromised and this is not fresh and you know, this is not like I had it back at home. So I guess growing up, it's not the organic side of things It's not necessarily drilled into you. It's it's just there, it's present. Um, so it's when you when you go abroad, you realise kind of how lucky you are and how food, its authenticity, its origins is um, comes from a good place. And I think now, as you mentioned, as uh, the consumer's attitude starts to change towards food and beverages, they're starting to seek that authenticity out, and, and that's where
0: New Zealand's in a good place. Well, I mean, like when I was a kid, Australia was remote like New Zealand. Um, and actually, all we wanted to do was travel overseas because <laughs> we thought um, we don't have anything here that anybody else wants. Um, and all I wanted to do was get to, you know, London and New York and LA and various other places um, to, to see the real big city life and the global international life. And it seemed to me like everything that everybody else had was. Bigger and better and more important and more fun and more exportable than anything anything we had here in Sydney. It was probably even more magnified when you're in New Zealand, you know, because you know all the jokes you go around about New Zealand and turn the <laughs> lights out, last person out, all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. um, and it's funny the how the world has changed. I, I was not aware of the importance. Like like I, I know when honey gets exported from Australia to China, they love our honey, our wines. It's they love it because of the yeah, I guess there's a whole series of things, but yeah, cleanliness. Prop. Well, you can trace where the things come yeah. from, and you can actually go and have a look what's in the ground and make sure it's not full of arsenic or shit like that. It's going to make you sick. Um, and um, there's there seems to be a there's a new move, or maybe in the last ten years, a move towards clean, and um, you know, environmentally friendly, um, non-wastage, uh, price consciousness, of course, but the rising middle class globally, particularly in, pla- in the two biggest countries like India and China, have driven this um, demand. Um, it's become a big deal now. New Zealand, is, for me, is even more magnified in that regard. New Zealand doesn't have that much to export. It's got good lamb and probably got good uh, dairy products, et cetera, but it got a good football team. But um, <laughs> uh, gen- but generally speaking, it probably never struck me as being having anything particularly exportable. But all of a sudden, there's an exportable concept. I mean, the concept of Brand it's itself, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a yeah. it's, uh, brand New Zealand or brand Australia. Brain New Zealand, I think, is probably even more so that way. Um, yeah. and it's all only because of one thing as Australians the sense that Australia has of um health and uh, a good ecosystem mm. in terms of health. And, um, I mean, th- this whole discussion today is about that with your business, but I want to try and find the origins of that, yeah. And I, think- uh, I mean, in New Zealand, as I said, is it has less infrastructure. But it certainly is if I was to pick they're probably one of the cleanest places in the world, I probably would say New Zealand would be up there close to it.
1: Yeah, and the OECD I'd probably you're probably right, yeah, for sure. Um and I think they they're harnessing that now, right? That's there's a lot of environmental protection and um general public awareness and acceptance that we do need to look after what we've
0: got. But where do you get it from? Like I'm trying to get to the bottom of where you got this concept of this is something exportable. Because I mean your your business is going to do well if you can make this a global product. Yeah, exactly. So yep. to be a global product, I mean, there's lots of people have products which are tasty and, you know, don't have chemicals and shit like that. And I'm sure mm. there's lots of competition out there. But the one thing they don't have is that New Zealand sign attached to it or that Australian sign attached to it. That that's Those two things are really important. Yep. Um, where did you get this idea from, was it a recent idea or were you, were you always thinking, this? were you brought up this way? Were you, I mean, were you brought up somewhere where like, there's a brook running out in front of your house <laughs> and uh, you right. used to, your mum go down there and wash the clothes on a rock and you know, or, or did you grow up in the middle of Auckland or you're from South Auckland, you don't look Maori to me. No, no,
1: no. I actually, yeah, So I grew up in uh, Christchurch, um, middle class family. Um, my father was a wool buyer and uh, started, own, started his own business from scratch and I remember as a kid going out on the, on the wool truck and um, going out to the farms and you know buying wool, and it was I used to absolutely you know wake up in the morning to jump out of bed and couldn't wait to go. Um, and this was during the, obviously primary school holidays. And um, and I've always had that love for the land and the cleanliness and the you know the mountains and things like that. And I think that's that's growing up with me. I also had a a, a mum and that was an amazing chef cook. What do you want to say? Um, and she taught me a lot in in the kitchen as well. So I've kind of from a young
0: age grown up with, um, that's I a, guess that yeah, influence. That's an interesting point. Um, so, yeah, because part of the concept of what your business is and we'll talk about later, but part of it is, um, it's sort of like a little bit of magic, like it's brewing. It's, it's nearly like, um, concoctions, uh, to it some is. extent. I mean, it's kitchen based creativity and you have to have got that from somewhere. I mean, like it's nearly elixir style. You it know? is. Yeah. It's funny is uh, that yeah. your mum as a cook or where does that come from?
1: i guess that I guess having that that um influence was good. I would never um pass myself off as a chef uh either um in amateur or professional sense um but I am inquisitive and um it's funny enough i just kind of answer your question in a long way. How did I get to this point was um I've always been a hard worker, but I went down the road of in advertising right from when I left university. And I enjoyed that because it was challenging. It took me places globally. You can travel, and you can you can you can pick your skill set up and move to a different country. And I love just working on brands. I love brands and seeing different businesses and how they work and trying to fix solutions and seeing opportunities. Um, and I enjoyed that. And I guess I got to a certain age where you either burn out or you uh, go to the top, like a Kevin Roberts or someone like that. But I'm certainly not of that caliber. Uh, and I guess the time was right. I, I actually purchased a property up in Avalon, and um, where Avalon? Yeah, Avalon. From so I moved from yeah. Bondi to to Avalon. It was you had to do the six months stint, right, to get the claim back all the benefits. Um, this was during the uh, global financial crisis when the government was giving leeway to um, first home buyers, and um, I only planned to spend six months up there, and spent a year. It was a really good point of reflection in life, and um, enjoyed it. Got into fitness and health, and this beach and everything else. And I sort of I started to look around for new opportunities and so I, you know, I'm kind of, I feel like time is right to move away from advertising. And um, and I said, well, what are the things that you love in life? And it goes back, it goes back to your point before, I love authenticity of food and its origins and um, creating things. And then, well, I said, well, advertising's fine, but you don't have anything tangible at the end of it. Um, and it's isn't it my true passion, probably not. Um, and then I started to look around in the food industry and it was obviously this... The, the craft movement was in full swing this is going back to 2013. Um, organics maybe less so it was really just the advent of organic products coming to the market and you know I can remember looking back now and then looking how many organic products are on the market now it's like tenfold to what it was back then um so it was like oh, what 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 sort of area could I move into and I used to well, I still do and when my, I grew up with my grandmother over the soda stream and uh, I can remember as a kid having flavoured drinks and stuff like that. But when I looked around, there wasn't really anything that I liked or or was organic or or didn't really have that authenticity I was after. If I wanted something that was raspberry mint, I wanted it to taste like real raspberries and real mint. And there's literally nothing on the market. So I started to play around in the kitchen, a very small kitchen in a studio apartment. But I uh, persevered and and made a a few of the original syrups. Um, But uh, the the concept essentially was born then, and then I started to engage with um, a couple of key food scientists from friends of friends that had started up businesses. And and then I had my first couple of um, trial flavors and then tried them on a, a few other friends and people, community trade fairs and stuff like that. And it was re- the really positive feedback. And so it just the, it grew from there. And I then eventually made the um,
0: the big decision, right, which is the hardest one in starting a business. Well, yeah. I don't want you to talk about it just okay. yet because, they, <laughs> because they, cause they, cause, cause we've got people listening they're thinking to themselves, they're always getting told, you know, like a lot of people like to start up something. You know, they're working like you. They might be in an advertising, might be working for the government, whatever. And they've got these, they've got this thing in the back of the, itch saying to them, well, go and work for yourself. And of course, the, you know, the question, the answer that everybody gives to them, people like me give to them, whatever, they read stuff on Instagram, or, you know, you've got to be passionate about something, okay? And they, and they, they don't quite really know what that means. You know, they think the passion is about making money or, or just owning a business. I'm passionate about owning a business. But they've got to be passionate about the product. I think that's what it is. And Liffy, I'm trying to break this down for them, using you as a, a, a proxy for how this stuff works. And passion about what you do. I mean, your soda press is a business that makes, just get, make sure I am get this right, makes syrups that are healthy. We'll talk about the ingredients and how it all works, but syrups effectively, they can go on a soda stream that people can drink. Okay, it's obviously great. it's got to be tasty. It's got to be, you want to be healthy. You want to be organic, et cetera, but there's, they're, they're elements, but you'll become passionate about that. But really what you it seems to me, what your business is about is appealing to the senses of our, our us, us consumers about concoctions, elixirs, brewing something, not in a mass production sense, so it's like you're nearly sitting there. I can imagine you sitting there. This is not true, but I imagine you sitting there with a big long broom handle that's <laughs> nice and clean, brand new and fresh, but sort of stirring this massive pot. <laughs> in um, like it, it'd be great if it was some cave somewhere, but like stirring it and uh, and then putting in, you know, putting it into bottles and then putting a cap on it, you know, with your hands and cleaning the cap and putting it aside and making box and box of this stuff. And that I'm trying to work out for those people listening to this. Where's that come from? And what's interesting is you said, you talked about your mum being a chef and, and cooking in the kitchen. To some extent, when, you, when a kid watches their mum, that's what their mum's doing. They don't realise mum's a chef. Mm. They see mum making what they know deep down is going to help them grow and is nutritional and uh, very you know, helps build the bond between mum and me, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's sort of what you're seeing. You, you don't analyze the ingredients, you are not sort of there saying, well, she put in a half a kilo of this and 10, 10, grams of that. In yeah. you're not looking at that yep. shit. You just look at the outcome, right? Yep. And the outcome is nutrition, loving, caring, good for me, bond. Okay. Bonding, um, mother, son in your case. Yep. And then on the other side, you've got your dad, nature yep. and, uh, and you've got, he's out there. I mean, one of New Zealand's biggest exports, wool. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, so, and it's clean wool. It's good, high quality wool. It's clean wool. And you're out there seeing that. So those two experiences help build what might be an underlying passion. And that's what I'm trying to get to the audience. Yeah. There's underlying passion. There is an underlying passion. And, well, some of us don't get it because, you know, we might not have experienced anything in our lives. And unfortunately that's, you have to develop one then. Yeah. But you, in your case, and a lot of people's cases, there is an underlying passion that sits in us, mm-hmm. but we have to sit back and examine it. And, uh, you know, we don't need to go and see psychologists <laughs> to do We just need to listen to this and yeah. think, what is it? And those two things are big influences on you. Your dad and the feel, just the feeling of wool. I mean, as a wool buyer, you have to touch it, look at it, smell it. I don't know what you've got to do to it, but got, there's a whole lot of stuff they've got to do. You, no doubt, would have. Pre lots of bales and crushed eggs and, yep. Yeah. And you participate in this stuff, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. You, you saw it as a young yeah. boy and you loved it. Yep. It was cool. It's something that appealed to you. Yep. And then you got, and it's funny, you said to me, have a memory of your mum in the kitchen, uh, you know, brewing something, concocting something for the family that's going to make them all nice and healthy and keep everybody happy together. And to some extent, you brought that together in your own product. Correct, yep. I mean, when you're in advertising, the skill you get at advertising, a hard skill. Teach you how to market it. I see your bottles here, and it looks nice. And you know that that's how you package your, your shit up, okay? That's yep. that's <laughs> advertising is about packaging other people's brand or other people's passion up. Yep, exactly. I mean, I just get. Yep. I want. I want to get. Everybody's listening to this. That's what advertising does. Advertisers do. <laughs> they package up what it is you're passionate about. Yep. They pull it all together and they turn it into a bottle with a, a tag on it. Yeah. A logo and a tag and a wrapping and they make sure that it gets marketed out to the market, puts, gets put out in the marketplace. That's what advertisers do. But they don't do what you do in the beginning. That is actually cobble together all those things that you've experienced and put it into a product. And that's what I want people to understand. I want the audience to understand that's one way you can find it about what you would be good at. Yep. So What's great. important here in your case, camera, is you actually built some skills around through the advertising game to be able to do the shit for yourself. Yeah. Okay. So, but of course, you had to learn how to manufacture. You've had to learn how to where to get the bottles from. There's a whole industrial business sits behind this too. That's where your advertising experience hasn't helped you one bit. Yeah. You've had to go and learn all that shit by the hard way. It was a collision of two worlds. You're right. T- totally different worlds too. Yeah. So we have our soft skills. Our so- it comes from experiences with our family growing up, and the environment within which we grew up. Then we have our hard skills, what you. You did as an advertiser, um, which is very important. You could have had some hard skills. It wouldn't matter if you are an advertising guy. You could have been a, you could have been working fast, move, moving consumer goods, like putting stuff on shelves, or you could have been, a, you might have been an engineer and worked out. You might know how to, you know, exactly engineer yeah. this stuff. That's yeah. just one hard skill you could have used. And but but somewhere along the line, that's what I want to talk to you about now. Somewhere along the line, you said I'm going to go for this. Yeah. Now, what was that moment? What, what, like. I mean, you said that, you know, you got to a point in your life at a certain age, you've been advertising, you can't do this for the rest of your life, otherwise you're going to burn out. Got that. But what was the moment where you're sitting down and where were you? Were you sitting down, was it at Avalon? Um, were yeah. you sitting down and you said, oh, I reckon I can do this shit.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to pinpoint a eureka in the sort of uh, moment. Um, I think it kind of, the the feeling grew and was a transition probably over over a week. And I, I think it's, you know, talking to people, talking to yourself, um, is this something that is possible? And I think it's that you've got to grab to build the catalyst to do it, it's a combination of things. It's it's your own sort of belief, and it's and it's also talking to other people. You know, this is what I'm
0: thinking of. What do you? think? You need affirmation. Yeah, a little bit of affirmation, but and it, it does help you sort of go. So you who to try, to try it out on because because I'm. A God, by the way, every person who comes in here who's done this, done you know, started a business, has tried things out on family, friends. Exactly. Every exactly. person. It was
1: it's exactly who it starts with family and friends, and then. Friends of friends that might have a little bit of expertise in this area, then those friends, and then you slowly, you know, you, you have to pull favours from people, right, when you start out. But that's called um, market research. You're yeah. saying, does it taste right? so <laughs> yeah, exactly. And other people might be something. Does it work okay? It could be some other thing, but. The acid test was really when we got those prototypes done and you, you we went to um, the um, Avalon Food Market and then you actually are trying it on. In an open uh, Unfiltered Unfiltered uh, customer feedback. And, yeah, yeah. And people don't. It's not your cheer squad. No, and
0: people don't hold back. You can see, you can read their faces where they say it or not. they like So it. what did you, did you get a little, did you put up a little stand or something? Yeah. Like, it's like, this is like a big boys version of a lemonade stand. That's exactly, exactly what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to do it. You already have to go through that first. And know. what did you do? Take notes where they, would
1: you say try oh, this I was all lo- lo- totally logged in my head. And yes, yeah, so every yeah. word was, you know, still remembers till today. And I think one of the, on that point, you know, I think some of the feedback I got originally and, and it's true to this day and that's what we try and stay true to um, is, oh, my God, it actually tastes like, as we said before, like raspberries. I can well, I taste the pink grapefruit. It feels like you just squeezed it. And that and that is the point of difference that we've got in the market and and, and that's one of the big challenges as you scale up. How do you keep to your, your brand um, or your product authenticity and, and not um, fall into the trap of what often happens, which is, you keep taking things out of it to make it
0: cheaper. And that's something we're, we're not doing. We actually do the opposite. Because pricing is an important thing later. We'll talk about that. But uh, so like so, there may not have been a Eureka moment, so to speak, but it was more a, a build-up of affirmations mm. um, and uh, market research, um, which you got to a point where you've earned, you're earning money at an advertising agency. They pay you every week. Yes. And then you've gone, oh, hang on, I'm going to throw that in. I'm going to put in whatever I've saved into this new venture. Did you, did that happen or did you keep the advertising thing going? And- no, no.
1: Yeah. I was actually a friend of mine. I, I tried to, um, I said, I've got this idea cause you, you, it's, it's a lonely place setting up a small business. Oh. Uh, as you will know, And uh, you want to talk to a lot of people in the same space. It, it is incredibly isolating and, um, you want to kind of grab people and you know, pull them onto the, onto the boat with you. You know what I mean? As you sail off. But, um, this particular person said, look, you know, I, I'm willing to do it, but I want to still work in my job at the same time. And I knew you can't do both. You've got to you try and get
0: this person to come in yeah. you, Yeah.
1: Um, and um, you know, he said, look, I'll, I'll do it. Well, let, let's build it to its a pla- to get it to a place until it's big enough and then we'll ditch our jobs. Having read a few books and talked to a few people and and knowing it myself, um, having most of my family have started um, businesses themselves, and they said, you just can't. You can't do two things. You've got to, it's 100% focus when you're starting out. It's the hardest
0: part is that starting out. So where was the crossover period? Like, where did you say, okay, I've got something here that's a business. I now know I can make a few bob out of it, but I'm going to have to give up my advertising job.
1: Yeah, I remember sitting, it was, you know, sitting at home one night uh, in the evening and just it was a decision made in my head. Like, this is going to work. Yep. You have to, you have to believe in it. And, uh, and, I, and I made that decision. I said, I'm going, to, I'm going with this. I have to let go of everything else. I can't lament. can't think about the other job. I've got enough money to keep – it's not a big, a big parcel of money, but it's enough to keep me going for six or seven months while I get the first products out, and this is what I'm going to do. And it's just from then on, and it's just pure focus. How did you feel? Did you feel – Incredibly nervous? petrified.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, because I often say to people – by the way, I often say to people, unless you feel a bit nervous about something like this when you're in business – it's not a good idea. What, what I mean by that is it should be so exciting. Yep. There's got to it's be a bit of an edge to it. There's got to be a bit of risk associated with it. Otherwise, yep. if there's no risk associated with it. It's probably not that great a business. It,
1: as I was thinking about this the other day, actually, there's a combination. It's a, it's a lot of feelings at the same time. So the, there's this euphoria of, well, this is a massive transition. It's like, you know, what 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 will this be? And this you have this vision in your head where you, you can take this and you have to have those those global, those big, Big aspirations; otherwise, you're not—you know—you're not just doing it to to pay the rent, right? And as you say, there, there's an, an inertia uh, element to it, and a fear, and excitement. There's and it, there's lots and lots of things, but I think the cumulative effect of all of that is just this feeling, this this movement of energy, and um, you've got to channel it in a positive way, in the right direction, and that, that that's one of the that's one of the hardest. And
0: things. it can be overwhelming, so all those feelings come into, as you said, like come to your chest and. Uh, hopefully end up in your brain, but they can come <laughs> in your chest and sometimes you can feel like you're, having, you're going to lose your breath we are going to have a panic attack we are going to have a heart attack. <laughs> you're about to make a big decision leave your advertising job. You're about to make a big decision to go into a new business and you're going to give yourself six months to get it up and running. Um, you feel excited. You've got all these emotions going on. And I think everyone needs to hear this. When you're doing something like you've got to be selfish or more self-centered. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean it in a way that will make the business work. You've got to sort of do everything for yourself that will make you succeed in what you do. In other words, you've got to eliminate all those things from your life that are going to take away from you being successful. Exactly. Otherwise, you know, there's no point taking the risk because it's yeah. just dumb. and you, Because you can't do both. Like you said earlier, you can't, do either, you can't work in your advertising job and do this, you know, your new business venture. That's the deal. And then how do I dig back into my past and find out what I think I'm going to be really good at? And I'm only going to be good at things I really enjoy and I only enjoy things I'm really passionate about. What are the experiences that I've seen or that that I really want to carry forward? And you you nailed it. You said your dad as a wool buyer and your mum as a a, a cook. You you took the best out of those two and turned it into soda press car. Is that a fair assessment? I think it's pretty fair indeed, yeah. Why don't we go to the break? We'll come straight back. Let's talk about this business. Let's talk about <laughs> how you manufacture this shit, you know, where's it all made, etc., etc., and, and who are you exporting to? Right. Okay, I come back here from the break, and I'm here with Cameron Romeril, and we're talking about Soda Press Co. and and Cameron, I, like I'm looking at. Uh, you brought six bottles of um, Soda Press product in. do not you just take me through the six bottles? What we, I mean is this the full range or no? It's is this just half, half the it? range. So here. explain to me or our listeners what have we got here.
1: Okay, so um, our range is uh, split into two. We've got the uh, original uh, organic low sugar. So it was a, it was a battle to get low sugar without using things like stevia or artificial flavors and things like that. Um, so we work with some But it's a syrup. It,
0: explain. Concentrate, yeah. So
1: it's it's a concentrate. Yeah. Um there's a one to six ratio
0: and it's one to six ratio mean uh,
1: uh, syrup to water. Right. Uh, sparkling water, ideally. So they were designed and are designed to be used with sparkling water, and ideally with SodaStream.
0: Yep. So as um, your partner or your joint venture organisation or whatever it is your preferred. Yeah. About
1: two years ago, we formed a, a business relationship. Yep. Um, on a global scale. Yep. Um, so that was
0: because that helps them sell their SodaStream, and it also helps you sell your your um, syrups. Exactly. It's, well.
1: It puts us in a, in the um, better for you and craft segment of their uh, flavour portfolio. Right, just so the, just take me through. So organic yeah. soda syrups, so what are we talking about? What does that mean? The founding principles of why I wanted to do this was uh, two things, was to make a product that tasted amazing but was also um, authentic in terms of where it came from, its origin. So, again, I mentioned that before about if I'm going to make a raspberry mint, we have
0: to put raspberry and mint. Okay, well, tell right? me, how, let's, let's talk, is that raspberry mint there? Yep. Right, so you've got raspberry mint syrup. Tell, tell me where... It comes from. Talk to me about the process.
1: So we um, we're, we're certified organic, so there is already in uh, the principles of um, organic certification there are there are codes and ethics all the way through from the farm gate
0: um, to processing. So you source all this? Do you actually sort of buy the raspberries and the mint? Yes, exactly. And then you yep. crush it or whatever you have got to do. We'll yep. go through it in a second. But yep. is it like where from? Where do you buy from?
1: Most of, most of our uh, it comes from a combination of Australia,
0: um, South America, and Europe. Right, the, the key ones as well. Right, so and you you buy stuff that has a an you know, organic tag on it. Yep, by Whoever the authorities are. Correct. Yep. yep. And you import it or you bring it to your yep. factory so that, here.
1: That ensures that there was no chemicals involved. There's no GMO uh, products involved at any stage. That there wasn't uh, child labour involved. All those sorts of ethics. So it's ethically
0: principles. clean as well.
1: Yep. Um, and the other, obviously, the other part too is that we obviously use a glass. Bottle that's now we now make our bottles in Australia instead of China, um, made out of recycled glass, recycled aluminium. Um, obviously, the bottle can be re- recycled again. Partnership with SodaStream means that you know you're saving bottles being because it's when you think about it, it's a crazy concept that you buy something from a shop,
0: the bottle you,
1: you drive it home, you put it in the fridge, you get it out a day later. You drink it in five minutes, then you throw it into the rubbish bin, mm. and it goes all that. Like the carbon footprint of that is is off the planet, and also yeah. what you pay for that is is three times more, four times more in most situations. And
0: what about the effort?
1: Yeah, exactly. It just uh, it's one of those things we probably grandchildren look back on and laugh at. Like you used to go and buy like single use plastic bottles from the supermarket, and then you just throw it into the rubbish. So there's like something that blows their mind away. Um, so that's why SodaStream is growing at ridiculous levels globally because. Um,
0: Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: I'm going back. Sorry. Got,
0: I get so no, passionate. I get cool. so Just give me, talking about the raspberry mint one.
1: The raspberry mint. Yeah, so, so we, everything that goes into that is, is organic. But how do you make, how do you get, get
0: flavor out of?
1: Raspberry meat, like tell me. they have to be crushed, yeah, yeah, so you crush just, the... and then steeped. Uh, at a certain level. Yep. so we take as we're kind of a contradiction because we're the best of the old world and we used innovations as the best of the new world, so we're not neither in the old world or, or just in the new world. So, um, we we try and make things as healthy as possible and that taste as, as good as they can possibly get given the the constraints that we've got.
0: So, it's not, but can I just say this uh, as an observation? It's not so much it's. Healthy, it's not unhealthy. Uh, Correct, no, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not true. a health drink. It's, it's it, interesting. It's got nothing, no shit in it. Yeah, yeah. Basic. and it tastes good. Yeah. And it tastes authentic. Good, authentic, and it's got no unhealthy shit yeah. in it. So I think Jamie Oliver sent the ben- benchmark um, globally um,
1: a few years ago, which is called the Safe Sugar Zone. So the pendulum was full sugar, you know, uh, Coca Cola, you know, 12 grams of sugar per 100 mils. And then early 90s, early 2000s, you know, they swung the other way and it was completely sugar-free, but they were using a whole lot of uh, synthetic sweeteners that um, have scientifically been proven not to be good for your health. So what do you use to sweeten it? So we use um, a, a tri-sugar combination. So we use monk fruit. Uh, not many people know about monk fruit. No, 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 yeah. So the reason it's called monk fruit is uh, over 2,000 years ago, um, it was used by the Indo-Chinese monks to treat um, illnesses, and they also used it in cooking as well. The good news is it actually has um, health benefits. So we use a combination of monk fruit, organic brown rice syrup, uh, it's a low GI, and also organic sugar. So uh, those sh- the co- net combination of sugars in our syrups is around about 4.5 grams per 100, which is around about 50% less than if you bought a standard soda off the shelf. Um, in our kombucha range, it's uh, under one gram um, of sugar. The other reason why we can use less sugar is because of the authenticity of what actually goes in there. When you use real real grapefruit and you use um, we use wildly picked elderflower, you know things like that, and you actually use those real ingredients. the flavors there, often sugar, salt um, and other sodiums and things like that are used to mask what you're not putting in make make it taste good, yeah. Just trigger those things, the salts, the sugars um, and other things. Uh, and that's what a lot of products do, right? They kind of trick your brain to think, "Oh, this tastes good." Yeah, but because it's not really. But it's not really yeah. elder flour, it's you, the elderflower. It's more sugar. Yeah, exactly. And salt. When you put the real things in, you can taste the elderflower and the mint. You don't have to put as much sugar in. It's right? like chips, so they're not.
0: You don't really taste the potato. Yeah, yeah. You there's
1: taste oil it's, and salt, right? Fat and the salt. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, exactly. So, so um, um, it's a trick. Yeah. I get yeah. that. So you 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 import some of your products. You 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 source some of your products locally. Um, it's organic. Your sugar profile is. Um, some combination of various other types of sugars, um, products that have sugar in them, yep. but ultimately there's less sugar there's less carbs yep. of sh- and less sugar yep. This calorie this calori- less is calories calories, less sugar, yep. um, per bottle of this relative to what you buy you, you would get if you bought one from the shop, so to speak. so you put yourself in a relativity relative position in terms of carbs and calories, and then in terms of taste profile. How do you get the taste to be so authentic? I mean, like, I don't know, does raspberry and...
1: Hours of
0: trial and error. Yep. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, it is hard. It's it, It's about, first and foremost, it's about finding the right suppliers
0: and the, you know that it's the certain quality. Because a piece of mint from this place could taste different from the same piece of mint from the different pla- another joint. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so it's about sourcing the product, which is sort of going to be difficult for you if you ever really want to get it on a massive scale because you've got to find someone who can give you the... Same taste every time.
1: Yeah, so that's what we've started to do now is partner with um, organisations that specialise in this area that can guarantee us that quality and yeah. supply. Yeah. So we've we've scaled up considerably now. Like we will do two million bottles in um, the next year at least, um, and we have not had an issue with supply for about four years on any of our ingredients. So um, so we're in a good we're in a good space. But you're right. Yeah, you know, managing that. The scalability based on, on your inputs is obviously very important to us.
0: Yeah, I, I guess that's the same for everybody. That's why mm. Coca Cola just do what they do because they, they know that it's scalable because everything is sort of simplified in that it's uh, give six, six grams of sugar or 70 grams, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, like it, you can scale it that way because it, but now people have become a bit more discerning. Yeah. And uh, but people are looking for this sort of product. Like, tell me tell about the kombucha. Like, uh, I mean, that's a big thing at the moment, kombucha everywhere. Um, tell me about that. I didn't know you're buying in concentrate. I just
1: no. Well, this is because well, it's a first. Um, we have, We globally we've seen if anybody else is doing it, nobody is. So we, we, we brew this uh, here in Australia over 45 day period. So it's quite a long brew process. The fact that we keep it in a concentrate has, um, has some added benefits. Um, allows us uh, longer shelf life. Uh, it allows um, the product to remain stable because um, we've put basically the good bacteria. And the probiotics into a dormant state. Until... Just
0: just help a few people out here who might be listening who aren't used to kombucha. Yeah, um, what are we talking about here? It, it's a it's a like a beer. Yeah,
1: kombucha is a uh, fermented tea. Yes, from, yeah, it's from um, made from tea. Yeah. yeah, so it's a fermented tea that has um, a combination of probiotics and um, other good bacteria that positively influence your gut flora and uh, allows your body better enable your um, digestive system to absorb nutrients. That otherwise may not be absorbed to, to that effect. The, the upside of that is, obviously, you feel better, potentially look better, and um, I guess hopefully, what a lot of people claim is that your cognitive cognitive ability increases
0: as well. Yeah, it does it taste right though?
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's the fastest growing beverage category in the last five years in a row. In fact, Australia and New Zealand have a prolific amount of um, kombucha brands that are now exported globally. So it's, it's a good news story.
0: Out of Australia. Um, oh, is that right? There's a bit of a, a yeah. Norman kombucha out of Australia. Too. It's
1: huge in the States, kombucha. Um, so, yeah, so we we, uh, we concentrate it, and it's got very high um, probiotic count, so it's over a billion per serve. I think the difference between our product and an RTD, which is we always try and trade off against an RTD, what right? Is that? A re- ready-to-drink, so a single-serve bottle. So it's a, whether we're talking a single-serve soda or a single-serve kombucha. So we're always trying to say, well, why would you do that when this is – one tenth of the cost, and it's got more probiotics in it. Yep. So, um, so that's where we kind—that's our, I guess, our selling position as
0: well. Well, Because cool, kombucha—I mean, I, I mean, I, I have it because if I'm looking for a sweet drink, it's got low sugar, but it also knows it's good for me. So, and yeah. I like the taste. So I just go, well, that's not a bad sweet drink to have. Yeah. You know, like generally.
1: So these are these are all natural flavors we put into that. So that's the passion fruit and mandarin. I can smell it.
0: <laughs> I can smell the mandarin know no, I spell the passion
1: fruit so um yeah so this is our fastest growing range so it's doing really well globally and I guess now that we've we've got you yeah, know we own this territory but you um, need a soda stream Do, this you got to have soda you can, can you put it with just like water out of time? yeah you can of course yep yeah, definitely yeah. yeah and it a lot doesn't people, have a, to have soda but... a lot of people drink kombucha just with
0: it's, it's sort water. of like a, Cordial, I hate to say that word, but it's, <laughs> I don't want to put it down, but it's, 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 this is a, it's a new version of cordial if you want it. like yeah, that.
1: Yeah, it's kind of an, we've got like an evolution of cordial. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, um, a lot
0: of people love cordial, like, yeah, or yeah. having a cordial type product in the, in the fridge. Yeah. Like yeah. if you just want, I don't like the taste of just water, okay? Yeah. I, I'm not a water drinker, generally speaking. I need a taste in there, some sort of taste. Um, and for me, something like this would be perfect. You yeah. Know, you could say, oh, I feel like lemon and whatever, ginger or something like uh Yeah. I, I, I would, use this sort of stuff i probably wouldn't go i mean I, the soda stream is a great idea my, you know if my kids when were really young would love the that the, that that that's like a, a fizzy drink yeah um but i'd be quite happy just having a glass of water we do
1: make things like um we do like tonic like the, the um very high in quinine so if you're doing gin and tonic so we do things like that as well so we do adult adult drinks as well but you mentioned the word cordial because that is quite interesting and it does have a stigma uh, and a certain Maybe. Connot- connotation to it. But it's, it, I guess the perception of cordials is quite – and it is. If you look at cordials, they're quite high in
0: sugar. They're also colour. They use colourings and flavourings. I guess what I'm sort of saying to you is that um, the, the, the cordial concept – It is a concept. Okay. It, it did take off here 40, 50 years ago. Of um, course, I remember the cordial truck used to drive down my street it's like you know, milk crap. Yeah, and everyone used to go and you know, you get a cake, a cake uh, the cordials, and you put it in your, in your house, and everyone in the family would be drinking a red cordial and green cordial. <laughs> we, all, we all grow up all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> um, but but, uh, but I get it, the sugar. But this is a, a modern version. You could, what I'm saying is you could use this as a cordial, so to speak. Absolutely, if you want to. And, and, and also check. cocktails and mocktails and, yeah, and popsicles could, and slushies. Yeah, and Yeah, all through. those frozen things. Yeah. And, and um, I, I, mean, I like the idea of it. But can I just um, ask you, in terms of the the bottles, the, yep. the design. I mean, this is where your advertising experience comes in. But the design of the bottles. I mean, why did you? What what inspired you to design them like this? It's a very really good point. It looks like medicine to me.
1: It, uh, yeah, they were um, the, the actual design and shape of this is 120 years old.
0: Yeah, it's um, an old and, school bottle. Yeah. yeah,
1: and it's actually called a syrup bottle, um, and it was designed to originally have syrups when they used yeah. to make it in the old days. with real? They used to crush. And that's where the name soda press came from, right? Because they used to have a fruit press, and they'd that old wooden fruit press, and they'd turn it around, and they'd throw all the berries in it, and you'd squeeze the berries, and you'd get this this uh, a juice at the end. They would um, use an evaporation process to to concentrate it, and then they'd bottle it up, right? right. Okay, and that's where syrup was used to be made in the old days. So that's where we you know, I talked about before about how we try and use as much of that process as we can. And without using any preservatives, um, we we use a special pasteurisation process, so it has uh, kills all the bad bacteria. So you're warming up, and and you, so you can keep it on the shelf. So you're it up. Yeah, yeah. But we don't. A lot of places do. Um, we we don't cook it, so yeah, you, yeah, you know, yeah. don't difference? kill it. Yeah, I mean, if you if you cook it, it becomes a sauce, right? Yeah, yeah. and that's what we don't do. So yeah, yeah, it still yeah. has that. You're just warm it up.
0: You feel the yeah. You can taste the, the fresh. You warm it up like similar to the way you do with milk to pasteurise milk. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So so because you b, b, that allows you to preserve some of the nutrients or the nutrients. Yep. Inside. So yeah, I I get that, but and, and when I look at the bottle though, it so that makes looks medicinal in a way. It's again that whole theme so, of it's good for you.
1: Very good point. So so, so one is the um so, so we, we 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 play on uh not play it's, it's a deliberate um thing. So taking the best of the old and the new, right? So the the bottle is our our uh, old school way where we do things, the brown glass. It's, it was always designed to prevent sunlight going yep. through, so that adds to the um, preservation, preservation of yep. the product. Yep. Because we don't put preservative in it, yep. so that helps on that side of things. So, um, and, and we, we think they aesthetically they look quite cute, right? They're, yeah, you know, something you can't. And it does stop people walking down there and they like picking up. Oh, this is different. We want We actually deliberately wanted to stand out. Yep. We deliberately wanted to look yesteryear kind of feel, but we had to have a contemporary feel as well, which is this the the branding and the and the colours and,
0: the colors and it, everything else in the tactile sense. I mean, it feels good. It's easy to hold. It's, it, it sort of looks a little bit like the old uh, VV bottle, um, mm. which has <laughs> still been around for a long time. But it's 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 it, as I said, it's got a medicinal look yep. without being medicine. I don't mean that in a bad way, negative way. Um, but, and I like the fact that it's all recycled, um, which is cool. I think the um your, your label Soda Press Company Organic Soda Syrup, Raspberry Mint. It says it all. Fifty percent less sugar. That's what I want. I want to know. And then it's got a thing around the side. It, tells, it says uh, certified organic, no artificial ingredients, fifty percent less sugar, gluten free, non-GMO, uh, vegan, no stevia. So the tick, 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 tick has a tick next to all that. So I think the labelling is very good. I mean, obviously your you know your advertising days have come in handy. It stands out to me. So where do, where do you buy this stuff from? Is it only online, or you buy it on shelves?
1: No, on the shelves. Um, so-, so where are
0: you distributing through? So SodaStream globally now manage
1: all our distribution, right? Um, so which is really handy, right? Yeah, that's it. Takes a lot of headache out of totally. scaling up. Yeah. Um, so they're 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 a perfect business partner. So where do they um, retail from? Though? Woolworths. All Col- right. They are um, Woolworths, Coles, um, Big W, yep. um, yeah. All those big departments. and so right through to um, David Jones to, to Meyer.
0: So you, you you go into Woolworths and you'll see a, whatever it is. You see you see the SodaStream thing. Yeah. They're probably in a box or something, but then the, the, your stuff's all sitting below. Uh, it the, next uh, year.
1: the largest um, uh, retailer that we have here in Australia is Big W and yep. like Harvey Norman's and places like that, right, okay. and then all your organic stores and things right. like that. Yeah. And so
0: it, it, you when, buy one of these soda streams and you get one of the, you buy these as well. Yeah, ideally, that's what we try yeah, and get people yeah, to, to do. Yeah, yeah. It depends on what people want. Some people are quite happy
1: with, um, so now, you know, with, for instance, Pepsi with SodaStream, you can get Pepsi flavors now. So, I guess it's in any, any given family. Someone might want a Pepsi product, someone might want a kombucha, someone yeah, yeah. might want the pink grapefruit to make one of their so if martinis.
0: Order, How do I get it? Yeah, you guys have a website. Yeah, sodapressco.com. But okay, yeah. so my reorder process is not through sodastream but it's through SodaStream. you can do, you can choose either both can go other way yeah, yeah 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 and you pay the same yeah. price so we way. only
1: have a um an, our own online presence
0: in australia and new zealand globally it's all through sodastream and and what so that sort of helps you on the marketing side of things i guess because distribution is about how you market these things and they're doing it for you but what do you guys do We do all the socially? comms. So we do all the development, all the
1: comms um, and advertising ideas and stuff like that and filter that in through right. through SodaStream. Are you running separate social mediums? Uh, we do, and again, in Australia and New Zealand. Yep. Um, well, most of our followers come from overseas. Uh, so Australia and New Zealand only represent 5% of our turnover.
0: Right. 95% is export. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's quite a – Is that because SodaStream is much bigger overseas than it are here? Uh, or is it just bigger markets?
1: Australia and New Zealand would be, I mean, the household penetration of streams up around sort of 15%, so it's quite high globally. Oh, really? So so who owns SodaStream? SodaStream actually started uh, a very long time, 1920s. Oh, the first really? SodaStream was actually designed for the royal family, to, so they can make gin and tonics, uh, and I have to fetch because uh, the original soda bars, you actually had to go to a soda bar. Right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, so its origins are quite um, fascinating, actually, in terms of innovation and um, design, um, and it was obviously big during the seventies, um, soda club owned it. And then it was sold to, um, uh, an Israeli company who took it even further globally. And then, uh, Pepsi brought SodaStream about two years ago and, uh, have
0: now taken it globally. Can I, how did you go during the COVID period? Like what did, co- what was the effect of COVID on your business? Like, say, let's say when you first heard about it in March.
1: Yeah. Like everyone, it was like, well, you know, no one was expecting this and a little bit blindsided, um, we 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 started to look at very quickly at research. So what had happened in previous pandemics? What had happened in global financial crises? And and, and was there any evidence? People
0: love beer, love chocolate,
1: and all uh, those things. Exactly, snacks, uh, short, cheap thrills, yep. um, alcohol, and everything else. Yep. Um. So we started to gear up very quickly to to, to cope with the demand. Unfortunately, uh, SodaStream had a bit of a different reaction. They kind of um initially went, oh, "Okay, well we better stop." Ordering because you know because a a along with a lot of other manufacturers were like oh you know we better not get overstocked. but it had the complete opposite effect. Like demand was through the roof. So I think like SodaStream hit their targets within six months of the pandemic, um, as people weren't allowed to go to the supermarket as often. Mm. Uh, we're looking for value as well, and and obviously convenience. Like it's just so. And convenient. Spoil yourself. Exactly. Che- yeah. It's like it's a cheap spoil. Yeah. So um for us it was. In that respect, and where we had retail distribution, it was great because our sales in those retailers doubled, right? But um, from on a global scale, it was a little bit frustrating because um, we were in some markets like the states and Canada and places like that. But we we're in we were in a rapid rollout, right? So we were going to trade fairs, and in fact, we were in LA and um, the largest natural food trade fair in North America, and it was in LA, and um, it was mid March, right? We'd just finished setting up our stand. And spent a lot of money going there. And then uh, then they that night they cancelled the whole event. Wow. And then it was a scramble to get back home. And that was basically the start of COVID, this COVID yep. shutdown. And um, we were on one of the last flights to get back. So that was we were gotten really hamstrung because we couldn't go to these trade fairs. The 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 cogs of getting into distributors through SodaStream in those markets all stopped because you couldn't have meetings. They said, Oh, we're not taking anything new on. So our our trajectory of rollout which is, you know, we were supposed to roll out this year in the States um, 5,000 stores, right, and uh, we got 1,000. But uh, we'll we'll pack up next year, but if COVID had come along a year later, we'd be laughing, right? Yep. Um, But it came just a year too early. So even that, uh, the reality is we ended up where we projected to be.
0: Yeah, because it caught up. Yeah, exactly. And some. Because, I mean, the the, the psychology coming out of any bad turn like recessions, financial recessions, whatever it is, People always go and spoil themselves. Yeah. COVID was even more um, accentuated in terms of spoiling ourselves because we were at home. So we spoiled ourselves at home even more. Yeah. I mean, it was like, so whatever we could do at I'm home still... to make ourselves a bit happier, yeah. we'd do it and cheap. It had to be efficient. I'm still trying to run those extra kgs off. Yeah, go. you <laughs> won't run it off. Well, it, 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 it takes a while, isn't it? but it was interesting a lot of people actually panicked when COVID started and then COVID actually was quite good to them. Yeah, in some respects. So, how's your business now? So, what? Are, what are yeah, it's
1: really interesting. We we um, post COVID, there were some mega trends that we that um, obviously have helped our success to this date. Going into COVID, right, which was better for you, better for the planet. I want things, you know, as sustainability. The research that's come out of Mintel and all the other big research at global organisations is is that if I quote the figures accurately, it's sixty seven and seventy percent increase in positivity towards from consumers. So during COVID, we thought that things like sustainability would take a back seat for consumers, right? It'll be more about purse strings and value and all that kind of stuff. No, that consumers are almost twice as likely to buy products or, or, to, or for sustainability to be top of mind than it was going into COVID. So, where does this,
0: do you remember where sustainability ranks in the, in the, in the, in, the mega, the mega yeah, trends?
1: Yeah. yeah in term, in terms of top of mind for consumers, it's it's health and wellness is, is up there, right? Um. So and then value and then sustainability, and they're right. the three key triggers that our, our product is about. Yeah. Um. But the other big one that came out of it was around about seventy percent up as well, which was um health and wellness. So even coming out of COVID, so people are more going to be more conscious of staying healthier, uh, and they've obviously during COVID have learnt a lot of things that you and I probably already yep. knew, but. He wouldn't know that you had to keep your vitamin C up. That you had to yeah. not eat junk food. That you needed, you know, and you had to keep your yeah.
0: gut bacteria right. If you had
1: diabetes. You are three times more likely to, to, to suffer uh, severe illness from COVID and than what if you causes went.
0: diabetes. Exactly. Well, what what Bad contributes? Eating, to, what yeah, contributes sugar. to it at least? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like that's. I think that's right. I mean, I don't know. If, I haven't read any reports, but anecdotally, I think that's right. Some people are much more aware, much more conscious of. Um, their health relative to what might confront them. And I, I think also people are now, and also aware of enjoying yourself. Yeah. Like, you know, like you've got to Live spoil in the moment, yourself, right? yeah, Live in the moment a bit more. Like, and I think that your product, if you can, if you can tell people about it, if people become aware of it, um, that's the game. You've got to build awareness program, of, you know, of what Soda Press is about. Mm. Where do I get this from? You know, how do I get it? And uh, that, that's, a, I'll be honest, I hadn't heard of it before. Um, so wherever you're marketing this through you haven't got to me yet and um i reckon i'm a probably a, i'm a a fairy um example of what your customer might be yeah you know i'm someone who buy six of these i mean i'm putting just put in my cupboard but i'm the sort of, i'm the sort of buyer you know what i mean like yep. uh, maybe you've got to work out how to get to me i mean I, I certainly haven't seen you on any of my socials and uh i just haven't seen you anywhere yeah we're already starting to gear up this year for for australia and new zealand so we we um we did have
1: quite a focus internationally, and yep. now we're now we've now we're up and planning. We can now pivot back around and focus on Australia and New Zealand. Yeah, yeah.
0: So what? What I mean, uh, we have run out of time. It's been fascinating, but what's one question you would like to ask? Because I don't want you to demonstrate when we do the uh, promo how this thing works. But um, and I want to have a taste clearly. But uh, what one thing you'd like to ask me? Because I've been asking all the questions here.
1: Yeah, um, I think one of the biggest challenges is
0: for us, uh, for
1: me, for the next couple of years is, is rapid scale up. Right, we're talking like. You know, by the end of twenty two, we'll be in twenty of the biggest markets globally, and um, know, I've got the right people in place now in those key positions. One of the things I find the hardest is uh, two things: is trying not to burn out, right? It's staying focused, and I I probably look at ten years older than I did uh, a couple of years ago, but is keeping that because I think it's really important that you do. We talk about before about the focus. Yep. you can't run around doing a thousand things at a thousand miles an hour all the time um the human body and the mind only has so much capacity and i think the second one is and it's one of my greatest things is you know because i've been so close to this baby for so long is actually giving it giving it to daycare right is handing those reins over and 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 entrusting people to to do the right thing with that thing i find sometimes find that
0: yeah well the i mean on the first one um to me everything's just tasks so I look at everything in a certain way. I, I set my mind to say, this is, these are my tasks today. So I never, let it, I never get overwhelmed. Occasionally, you know, oh fuck, I don't feel like doing this. But, like, I never get overwhelmed because I just say, well, these are my list of tasks i got to do. They're just tasks. If I've got 20 tasks and it's all been spaced out properly. I'd say, okay, that's what I've got to do. And I'll just, like, go to the gym, you're going to do 20 reps or you're going to do four sets of 20 reps. That's just, They're your tasks. Yeah. If you sit around there thinking about before you get, oh, fuck, I've got to do it, you'll never do it. Yeah. So I just look at everything as a, a task. And if I don't get it all done, I get all done. Simple. Yeah. I, I, I try my best. But that's, that's it. I'm sort of very um, cold-hearted. Yeah. Yeah. It, just, it is what it is. Because, by the way, this is going to go on forever. <laughs> I mean, this is, it's not just this year, next year, 20, 20, 30 years you'll be doing this. Cause, yeah. And you want to be doing this, by the way. Yeah. You don't want to be – I mean, I don't know. For me, I don't want to be – I, I, I want to be Root Murdoch at 80 years of age. I will still be able to go to work and still making decisions. And otherwise, because I, I don't want to be sitting around. I'm no interest whatsoever – I'm playing golf every day of the week and uh, boring, boring myself off my tits. Oh, yeah. like, um, like, I just don't want to do that. So if if that's your mindset and, and it's just tasks and it's just what I'm setting myself for the next 20, 30 years, that's okay. Okay? Because it's like going to the gym. You can't say, I'm just going to go to the gym today. You can't say, no, for the, to the day I die, I'm going to go to the gym because I've got to keep exercising yeah. and I've got to keep moving. So that's the first one. And the second one in relation to p- putting your baby into daycare, <laughs> letting the reins go. That's a hard one. Um, some people think that being passionate about your business is equal to be, it, the same as being emotional. For me, you've got to be emotionless. Your job in business is to raise your business as an independent thing of you. Yep. Otherwise, you don't have a good business. You're too attached. Yeah. You've got to right. detach. So, you've got to be emotionless in relation to it. And by the way, if the person who you're handing the reins over to, in relation to whatever it is, marketing, whatever it is, you've got to also be emotionless in relation to that individual. You're going to say, well, if that person doesn't do the right job, They've got to go yeah. and you've got to replace them and you've got to let them know that's how you feel and you've got to set them their tasks and you've got to set them guidelines, guidelines, training, tasks, and, you know, performance hurdles. If you don't do this, there's going to be a problem. Yeah. Like I actually did this in my own business only yesterday. I, I, I come up with a new K, KPI in relation to my business I won't say what it is, but I said, guys, this particular thing has to be a new KPI. In other words, that means for them, if you don't achieve it, you're in trouble. Because otherwise, I'm in trouble. <laughs> and uh, that's what I'm paying them for. And you're paying people to make sure that this business doesn't get in trouble. It's just like when you raise your kids, you, you're building your kid up so the kid doesn't get in any trouble yep. you know, they get, and achieves the best they can. Yep. Just step back, be emotionless. I am totally emotionless. I mean, it doesn't mean I don't get angry. I mean, I get angry when things don't get done right, <laughs> but I have to control myself. But, <laughs> but at the same time, if something does go wrong, I don't yep. sweat on it. I just come up with a solution. and then, yeah, I think it's about putting those potential outcomes in front of all those people you hand things over to. Yep. If you're on board, this is what I expect, make sure you let me know how it's going. They've got to communicate to you. Yep. You don't have to go find this shit out all the time. If there's something going wrong, you don't want to find it out. You want them to tell you. Yep. Tell me, am I going to hit my numbers? Am I going to hit my targets? Is there a problem? You must let me know well and tr- as l- soon as you know. Yep. You've got to transfer the sweat over to them. They need to sweat it out overnight. And so I only employ people who are prepared to do that and who think like proprietors. This comes down to your recruitment program. Don't employ people who don't think like proprietors. They've got to think like you. You're the proprietor. They've got to think like you.
1: Yeah.
0: It's got to, they've got to think like it's their business. And uh, that means they're going to do some sweating on this because you, you can't possibly do – you can't do every task. No, not anymore. <laughs> you'll go mental. You, we can't. Something will go wrong. You'll miss yeah. something. You'll forget something. Yep. Yeah. So you delegate but you delegate to the people who think like proprietors and you put it back on them and, they, and you set them out their targets and their KPIs and their goals and their objectives. And if they don't work out, they don't work out. Move them on. And uh, it's like it's a, it's a game. You know, it's, you, you play rugby. You like, you're in New Zealand. You must have yeah. played rugby. Yeah, um, yeah. surely. Every do. man in that team has got a job to do yeah. in your business. Every person in your job, male or female, has a job to do. Yeah. And you're like the coach. You're not playing. You're not on the field. You're standing back and you're directing traffic. Yep. And you're saying to people, if you, I mean, if you don't work out as a flanker or whatever it is, you're going to have to move on. I'm going to get someone to replace you. They, and they've got to know that. And I reckon that's the only way to do it. Now you, look at all the great – I mean, I'm more a rugby league guy, but if you look at the great coaches, they're completely emotionless about mm, transfers, tra- trade-ins. Yeah. And like you know, you could have a great – a halfback who could be in rugby league could be a great halfback, but it doesn't. this particular halfback doesn't suit – the, the forward pack and it doesn't suit the rest of the back line yeah. and therefore it doesn't work in your team. You have to replace that person and you've got to tell that person up front like mate this is your job this is the skill set I'm looking for this is what I expect you to do I want you to run to the line I want you whatever it is you know um yeah, and you defend a certain way but this, this is what I expect from you and if it doesn't work out you the coach have to say okay it's not working out we have to move you on it's business I mean what worries me a little bit you said you might be just using an example you are sending him to daycare <laughs> I know you are in love with this business you love this business i know you do which is great use that to drive the business but don't let it control how you feel don't feel anything good advice act don't react act perform like in a theatrical sense when you are performing it's just using theater to get a point across yeah. but don't actually make it can't it's got to be like method acting you can't actually feel that way <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean you're going to be uh, once it's over you just got to turn the lights off and go home yeah Switch off. That's what I do. It took me a long time to work it out, but that's what I do. Good advice. I appreciate that. Thanks very Thank so much for coming in, Cameron. Uh, let's do a demo, put, and we'll put the demo up on the promo. Thanks, man. <laughs>